0: When I was a kid, my Uncle Jim would leave tickets at Will Call for me and my brother to watch the boxing card at the Olympic Auditorium in downtown Los Angeles. It was the mid-1970s. The arena was then 50 years old, it smelled of sweat and popcorn and spilled beer. Going back home to our house in Venice after, with blood on my shirt from the fights, sick from eating too many hot dogs, tired from being up too late. Oh man, some of the best memories of my life. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians. Hope everyone is staying safe. These are challenging times, but we all together will overcome and move forward. Welcome to a video, audio, podcast episode 28 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. I've talked about my uncle Jim in previous episodes, but to clarify for those of you new to the show, that uncle of mine was Jimmy Lennon Sr. Jimmy Lennon, who lived from 1913 to 1992, was many things, most notably famous boxing and wrestling announcer, one that not only called fights in the ring, but also made multiple television and movie appearances as a ring announcer. His son, Jimmy Lennon Jr., does not only carry on the tradition, he takes the art to new heights. Known around the world, Jimmy Jr., or Jamie as I know him, has most recently called the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight that went off this past February. But before I go much further, let me introduce the producer of today's show, the director of the Facebook Live at Five slate of shows, the all-time assist and digs leader at New Mexico State, my quarantine partner for life, my wife, Christine Jimbo. Hi, everybody. Uh, I just, I'm just here to tell you that we now have shows on all Five weekdays. So you've got plenty of coverage to watch during your quarantine time. So please follow us on Facebook at Sports Stories Podcast. Like our posts on Facebook and Instagram. Rate us. Subscribe. We need your support to keep going and keep having some fun doing this. Those of you that know me know I prefer my acronyms. SSDL always refers to Sports Stories with Denny Lennon, and FBL5 is Facebook Live at 5. So on Mondays, we do long form interviews that generally are with authors, filmmakers and the like. Tuesdays is a round table that discusses the legendary Venice Backyard uh, Championships, an iconic volleyball tournament that ran from 1983 to 1995 in the backyards of Venice. We did our first one last night, got a little off the tracks. Wednesday, we put the spotlight on high school athletes all the way up to Olympic athletes. Thursdays are these video podcasts, which were recorded prior to the coronavirus outbreak. And Friday is our happy hour, let it fly show with a potpourri of guests. Jimmy Lennon Jr. has been at the center of the ring for some of the moments we all remember. Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson, Julio Cesar Chavez fighting in front of 135,000 people in Mexico City. Mike Tyson chomping on the ear of Evander Holyfield. Tupac attending a Tyson fight and later being gunned down in Las Vegas. Jamie, I can call him that since he's my cousin, was nice enough to come to the home studio garage, take the 74-28 shot on the backyard hoop, and then sit down for a two-hour interview that we broke into four parts. In this first part, we talk about his legendary father. In particular, my Uncle Jim's encounter with the motion picture Rocky movie director, John Avildsen. Jamie's younger years, and how both father and son used their well-honed announcing skills at the legendary volleyball tournament that was the Venice Backyard Championships. So, without further ado, in this corner of the 7428 Studio, checking in at a fit and ready 155 pounds, hailing from Santa Monica, California, please welcome the internationally renowned Hall of Fame boxing announcer, Jimmy Lennon Jr., Please note, this interview was recorded on January 28th, 2020. I'm ready. Oh, Uh oh, back. Yeah! Ah! Eating a (laughs) bully, please. So grab those. Uh, put a water there for you. Thank you. We're going to make sure we're up. And going. What, what a, a nice uh, stand. stand. You know, um, they're really nice to me. The, the Craig Impleman that you saw interviewed, mm-hmm. um, he and then um, Lynn Guerin, who does a John R. Wooden course, uh, they got together and they control most of Wooden's archives. And so um, I've known... Parts of them for years and so forth, but they sat down and they um, just believed in what I was doing and said I had access to all the archives, however I wanted to use them. Isn't that nice? And, and those archives are fantastic. You can do this word search on the backside of the, um, of the either Wooden's Wisdom or John R. Wooden, and so you just search adversity. And everything he did in interviews, videos, whatever it might be, that'll all come up. And so we've been able to incorporate that into... You know, our opens and stuff, and I,
1: I gotta tell you something,
0: <clears throat> so John Wooden invited my dad to a football
1: game, a Rams game, oh wow, yes, and so my dad invited me to come along, so I went along with him, no and way. it was just unbelievable, and I'm sitting you know next to John Wooden in the car next to him in the game, we're talking about you know wow. his early basketball career, just chatting, and sure, I had respect for him, but you know, I didn't have the appropriate respect. <laughs> well, yeah. and I'm a, you know, a young teenager. Yeah. And I'm going to, to uh, I think it was Lincoln Junior High at the time. And so I said to my buddy, I know John Wooden, and I know where he lives. <laughs> <laughs> and so I brought my, and he said, no, you didn't. I said, yeah. yes, I do. So I brought him over to his apartment, what, and you? I knocked on his door, <laughs> and <laughs> he answered. <laughs> and I realized at that point. This was really inappropriate, what I was doing. And, right. and so I kind of said hi, and, you know. Did he remember? Nice to see you. Did he remember you? Yeah, well, I introduced myself as Jimmy Lennon, And he goes, son. oh, sure, son, okay. Yeah. yeah, he was nice, but it was so inappropriate.
0: <laughs> I expected we, him to invite me in for tea or we, something. We, we treated I don't know. him like one of our uncles, like, hey.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> like we rolled right up. You know, I um, I was doing this, uh, promoting a big volleyball tournament in the blacktop of St. Mark's School. Mm-hmm. And I wanted him to be our guest of honor. And I don't know mm. how I got a hold of his phone number, but I did. And this is late in his life. And so I called and I expected somebody to pick up. And then I was going to go through my thing. And he picked up. Hello? I panicked. And, oh. I, and I hung up. Oh, you're kidding. I did. I just panicked. Like, I'd never panic at that stuff. I really don't care. But I was so. I said, wow. It was, and then I called back. I said, coach, I'm sorry. That was me that hung up. And then I explained, he said, oh, that's very nice of you, but it's my birthday this weekend, so I'll be I'll weird be with my family. Yeah, yeah He's funny. such a nice guy. Yeah, I think I panicked too, but uh, <laughs> uh, certainly that's
1: one the of best. the men that I most Makes respect.
0: Yes, um, and uh, for me, a lot of times he kind of fit in with the uncles because, you know, growing up like you and I did, we had such respect for like, you know, it starts with Uncle Jack and works its way down, and you had such respect for the uncles in our family. That um, I always looked at him and was like, man, mm. like he's he kind of like them, buddy. Yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. So, you know, I was kicking around, um, and and I'll try to remember to call you Jimmy Jr. or Jimmy. But call for, me anything you for, like. For me, Jamie is, uh, sure. is how we grew up, right? Yeah. And I was thinking, I was like, man, I wonder where Jamie and I would have first met. Like, it might have been at our, like Uncle Mox's Easter egg hunt, or, you know, we're just little kids doing this. Or a thing. Christmas
1: party, I don't know. Yeah.
0: I So but that's where I first remember you from mm. is Christmas parties because um me coming in and being clearly intimidated by how good musically the family was. So mm-hmm. Lennon Brothers would get up and, and do something and the Lennon sisters and then the older cousins would do like Crosby Stills Nash stuff and then Venice could do this. And then you would get up, and I remember you could play classical piano like no man alive. And I used to be so impressed. I would be like, "Whoa, he can hang with these people!" <laughs> I was like, "Go, Jamie!" And it, and it gave me a whole like appreciation, you know, for classical music by he, hearing what you did. And wow, well, how long did you study
1: that for? Not very long. I I I kind of took it up quickly and faded out. So when it came to our Christmas parties, uh-huh. I had one or two songs in my repertoire, and that was it. <laughs> the same <laughs> thing every year. Oh, yeah. Wow. But I appreciate you saying that because, you know, for for me, those Christmas parties, I was so intimidated by everyone else, and I was just, I mean, enjoying it, loving it, but like, you know, I can't believe the talent that, that I'm seeing. And every year, it seemed like someone new who I hardly knew would come up and blow us all away. What, didn't it, though? Uh, it was amazing. and. You know, no, I, I'm with you. I was a I'm a little bit intimidated by the talent in the family. Very proud of it, but it's like, Wow, you know, these guys are good.
0: I don't know there was two maybe Christmas says that myself, Tommy Blazer, was another cousin, and uh somebody else had to get up and represent the non musically talented Lennons <laughs> and sing a Christmas carol. Just so that everyone <laughs> could go hmm. Yep. Hmm. Yep. So, really, you think they're family? Do you? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, born in 1958. Yes. You, um, I'll, I'll give you your first quiz question. Oh, who was the uh, heavyweight champ then? Ooh, I don't know. Okay. Let's see. Fifty-eight. So you like that?
1: Job, oh, yeah. Job. That's right, that's right pretty, out. Uh, right out, Jamie. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> you should have told me. I should have prepped on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's see. Sunny. It wasn't Sunny Liston. It would be before Sunny Liston. Mm-hmm. Um, Jersey Joe Walcott.
0: Good good try. He's yeah. right in there. Floyd Patterson. Floyd
1: Patterson. Okay. Yep, of course. North
0: Carolina. Yeah. He was, um, I only knew of him because I was always so interested in the Olympics. Mm. And so I'd always study back on whoever yeah. won in the Olympics to kind yeah. of. And I was always fascinated with him because I think he won in Helsinki as like a middleweight or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Cassius Clay, who of course became Muhammad Ali, had won in Rome. I was always impressed. I don't know why. I was always so impressed. Like, I felt like that was almost more prestigious than winning the heavyweight title was winning a gold medal.
1: Yeah, and a lot of fighters say that. They, are, mm. they say, yeah, there's nothing like winning the gold medal. You know, they have that as a young kid, the chance to travel internationally and beat all the best in the world at the time. So, yeah, yeah it is the pinnacle for many.
0: Now, you, um, you just mentioned uh, Lincoln Middle. Mm. Where did you go to um, elementary school? So I went to
1: Madison Elementary School in Santa Monica. Then we mm-hmm. moved, and I went to uh, Franklin Elementary, mm.
0: Lincoln Junior High, Samoa High, UCLA. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And do you remember? Um, did you play sports at all, or did you have a you know any um, buddy like outside of the family that kind of influenced your love of sports?
1: You no, know, you know, I think like much of our family, I grew up just watching sports, loving it, playing mm-hmm. it with my buddies. I was pretty small in uh, in junior and senior high school, mm. and I remember playing basketball like one-on-one with some on the basketball team, and I couldn't make it, but I could beat them, but I was not good, uh, mm. you know, real good, good enough to, to, I don't think, make a team. and and uh, But I love sports always, every week, you always. know, play baseball. You know, throw baseballs back and forth, footballs, get together on some four-on-four football
0: in the fields. And... Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, uh, and you know, volleyball. Love love volleyball. Our family was uh, so fun to grow up in because you had this built-in set of cousins. So you always could get a game going. But um, <clears throat> when, we, when we talk about, like, you know, I want to talk about uh, Uncle Jim, your father, my Uncle Jim, um, a little bit. Because one of the, my great memories is the big fights would come up. Hagler Hearns, something like that, and we go over to Uncle Ted's house, mm-hmm. and we go down in that den, and there would be 50 people yeah. down in that den, and Uncle Ted would go, now, quiet. <laughs> if, if I've got to tell you a second time, I'm going to ask you to go outside. I want to hear the announcers, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. He'd lay down the law, but then Uncle Jim would come out, and inevitably, I'd be like, yes, Uncle Jim. We were so proud. That's like, Uncle Jim, right in the middle, holding down, you know? I, well, i got to say, I,
1: I have distinct memories of that, too. And sometimes he was announcing, and sometimes he wasn't announcing, but it was the den at Uncle Ted's place. Mm -hmm. And to this day, when there's a really big fight, I think of my family in the den watching the fights, or family, wherever they are, and I honestly do. There's nothing, you know, people can say, oh, you did great and everything. There might be millions, tens of millions of people watching. But I really do think of my family, and I think back of me sitting in that den watching never imagining that I'd be there and family could be watching me. And I think one of the last fights, I think it was Mayweather-Pacquiao. I'm like texting. I, there's like a group text with family members mm-hmm. about what's going on the mm-hmm. week of. Yeah, and the Kevin time of, had that going. Yeah, yeah, Kevin had that going. So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, getting that um, acceptance from the family means more than anything. Doesn't it, though? It really does. Yeah, it's, it's, really,
0: it's, it's funny how that works. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a commercial from our sponsor, Casablanca. Casablanca Restaurant in Venice, California. Proud sponsor of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Also sponsoring the Facebook Live at Five Friday show. Margaritas. That's right. Carlos is kind enough at Casablanca to uh, package up, like, a to go what they're selling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to go. What uh, What is it in it? It's like a taco it's bar. daily deal. He does basically a taco bar with... Two different meats, beans, rice, uh, tortillas. It's fantastic. Brilliant. And then you throw in the margaritas with that. And if you watch our uh, Friday show, you'll see that we cheers one another. He sends one over to uh, Venice where Marley and the Rices are hosting part of the show. Over here to the 7428 studio. And any local guests. And any local guests. Doug O'Neill. Benefit as well. Doug O'Neill, the uh, Triple Crown winner, horse trainer, is a new big fan. So, you know, thank you, Carlos. You can call Carlos at 310 505 5091 again 310 505 5091 call Carlos ask him for the sports stories with Denny Lennon special he's going to throw in margaritas or a big percentage off vámonos a casa blanca vámonos a casa blanca vámonos a casa blanca La comida para la familia. Vámonos a casa blanca. Vámonos a casa blanca. And now back to our interview with Jimmy Lennon Jr. I'll I'll uh, tell you a story in a bit about your dad watching me announce one time um that was interesting but I kind of was interested um I know young as a youngster you're going to see your your dad at the Olympic. Mm-hmm. And there was times where he'd float us tickets and it yeah. was always like so fun. Oh yeah, to go to the Olympic, and if I came home with a little blood on my shirt, I was like, "Yep, I was <laughs> right there." My uncle got me these. But did you, did you go often? Yeah,
1: I did. I went to both wrestling and boxing, mm. and I remember there were times where I would I went alone with him a couple times. I'd sit down, and he'd tell the usher, "Watch out after him. He's, he's my son," and mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I'd be. Uh, I remember going having a my. Um, I was six years old. I had my birthday party up in the booth above where the <laughs> Richmond 95171 was. And I had my little buddies there. And that's that was my birthday party, inviting right. them to the wrestling. Oh, wow. And um, so, yeah, I have, you know, sometimes he would befriend wrestlers and especially. I, I think the wrestlers were almost more open, more friendly kind of family oriented and so getting to know some of them but yeah going to the fights and as I got older meant more and more to me as I I love the sport of boxing so much so your
0: um Uncle Jim would always maintain the uh the veneer of about wrestling like as if it weren't make you know as if it weren't pre-arranged he'd always say "Mm "Hmm," and he would just move right on oh it was the big secret he would never
1: let on although there was one time that he hinted it to me because I was there and he was going to get jumped by one of the wrestlers and he said you might see something but I'm going to be okay don't worry oh that's great and that was the extent of did like, that happen? oh yeah and it happened yeah no yeah yeah he, that's great he so, uh, somehow the wrestler went wild and went crazy afterwards and oh, attacked hilarious. everybody including oh, my dad oh that's so good <laughs> hey, I
0: bet you saw some, some fun things at the Olympic I know I got a little bit of an education Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I've been to uh, a a number of riots there. (laughs) Um, I remember one time, and I had just announced, I I was a a young announcer, but I remember the police coming in and the tear gas, because I could see Roe... After a row, people starting to sneeze and choke, and it was coming towards me, and I just went the other way. And I'd see guys hitting each other, and then they'd stop, and they'd see me, oh, Jimmy, and then they'd go back to the, to whatever fight. So I didn't feel <laughs> in danger, but it was, it was an experience, that's for sure. Um, I also remember one of the things I just loved is there was a, a metal ramp where you could get from one tier, and instead of walking around, you could walk down this kind of Metal ramp, okay, but it would get slippery, and so th- the fans would kind of watch when someone's coming down with a couple of beers in their hands, and the person would start take the shortcut and <laughs> slip on the ramp. and The beers get, and the whole crowd would cheer, <laughs> yeah, and then wait for the next it's person to do. Like a broken plate it. in a restaurant. Oh, that's <laughs> great! And it, it was like a the regulars knew that a fall was going to happen. Yeah.
0: I think I share uh an affection for one of the early boxers that always got my attention which was Danny Red Lopez. And I don't know did he ever like win the heavyweight? I mean the uh, mid- he was like a middleweight, lightweight. He was a featherweight. And he
1: featherweight. absolutely won the featherweight world and he title. Did. Yeah, he you, had that some... seemed to love him. Yeah, no question. And I um I've seen him not too long ago. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, he and his wife, super nice people. And, uh, you know, one of my favorites also, because he was the kind of fighter, if he got hit and knocked down, watch out, because he'd get up and knock you out. And he was a great, great yeah, fighter. Yeah, some, some
0: great names back there. Who else, Did you remember, when as a boy, who you used to like as a fighter?
1: I, I did like uh, Danny uh, Little Red Lopez and his brother, Ernie Lopez, um, Big Red. And um, you know there was Monroe. Uh, uh, I think it was Monroe Brooks, and mm. um, uh, you know a, a a lot of the the fighters. Uh, you know, Hispanic fighters were ones. You they, know, Mando Ramos and and Chango Carmona. Whether they're U.S. or or uh, internationally born, those are some of my heroes growing up.
0: So we talked uh, a little bit, in, you know about uh, your father. So my uncle Jim. He was born in 1913. Yes, right. Uh, died in nineteen ninety two um but some of the there's there 's legend hmm. and perhaps mythology hmm. that's that the rest of us all either you know buy into and 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 so i want to see a few things so on the side of innovation, was he either the first or the one that popularized wearing a tuxedo in the ring
1: yeah and i 've heard that too i don 't know of a way to verify that or not but mm-hmm. that 's what he said. <laughs> you know, for, for so many years, not necessarily letting the facts get in the way of a good That's PR right. opportunity, but you know, we we go along with that. I, I I think it's true, and I have read it. Okay, but I don't know how to verify that. But he certainly did bring, I think, the level of class up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's not just someone maybe with a cigar on the side of the mouth
0: and just you know barking, pr- so, barking no, and not yelling worrying about. So pr- the pronunciation of the name
1: pronunciation. Pronunciation of the name, the, the dress, the attire, would mm-hmm. wear the tuxedo, and and he came with a lot of class into the ring.
0: Also, um, I understand he was the one who started to use the bell to introduce celebrities around the exterior. And I don't know if that's true or not. Like he, And especially you're in Los Angeles. So you got plenty of celebrities. Plenty if, of celebrities. If, if not other fighters to go... And he would go, ding, ding. I've read some old article where the New York mere sports columnist said, I've never seen a a ring announcer that controls the bell like that.
1: Wow. Yeah. You
0: know what's so funny? You're you're saying you're telling me something that I'm
1: really not aware of. Wow. And he never said do this Oh, but I tell you, I rely on the bell so much. Almost every fight, I go talk to the timekeeper and I say, you know, look out for me. I'm going to point to you. Keep, my... and I rely it. It's to me, it's, it's a important part of the fight. The whole atmosphere, the That's sound, cool. and, and the vision. The bell is a big part of
0: it. That's so cool. Now, um, what would you, what would you consider Uncle Jim's like biggest fight? Um, I mean, I remember the Hagler Hearns in those eras, and I'm trying to remember him from any of the big heavyweight fights. But um what would you what would you tag as like perhaps? Now, he he his didn't do Hagler
1: versus Hearns, but he did a number of Hearns fights and a number of Hagler fights. Got it. So um to be honest there. Um and so those were all, you know, Concert. big fights. In terms of heavyweights, he did Ali a couple of fights mm. in Ali. They weren't his biggest fights. Mm-hmm. Um and I know he did um I know he did Sonny Liston. He he always had a, a good story about Sonny Liston introducing him that, you know, well-known, a very surly, mm-hmm. kind of angry man. Mm-hmm. And he... Um, Rightfully
0: so on some levels. Yes. It's a great documentary on him that it's, came out recently.
1: It's very good, very yep. good. And my dad, like always, would go talk to the fighters beforehand to make sure how to announce them. And he went into his dress room and said, so Sonny Liston, and Sonny stopped him and said, it's not Sonny, boy, it's... What was his name? Charles, I think. Oh. And so my dad actually was a little bit of offended because he was, you know, so gruff. And so my dad introduced him in the ring as Charles Liston and Whoa. never said Sonny Liston
0: for him. <laughs> he didn't go with Chuck Liston. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't push his buttons either. Wow. That's something. Yeah. 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 That's something. What about, um, now Uncle Jim take full advantage of being in Los Angeles with the television and movie opportunities. Mm. 75 or something, something like
1: that? Something like that, TV and, and, um, and film uh, opportunities. And almost always as an announcer, but I think there were a couple times, maybe early as a reporter and so forth, he, he got in some mm. small parts. Mm-hmm. And my mom, who's 97, mm-hmm. uh, still receives some of those residual checks, and they, of course, dwindle as
0: time goes cents. by.
1: So they're, many are very small, but she gets little wow. love messages from uh, my dad to her.
0: It, it, it's the best, just because I love looking at old tv and old films and stuff and anytime mm-hmm. boxing comes up then i just go wait like you know if the maybe the kids are around me yeah. I'm like i just go wait you don't know yeah like, we're gonna yeah. see you know and i mean i would imagine like raging bull might have been the the highest kind of um yeah. regarded film that he's no question about it I, yeah. and i think it's one of the all-time
1: great films sure. it's just an amazing film and uh uh he was on set for seven days on that and he was just in kind of one scene not a not a big scene at all and Scorsese wasn't a big knowledgeable boxing person That's right. uh, so it's it's a really unique film in that way so he mm. really didn't know you know who you know he did it his own way let's mm. put it that way and uh, it was an amazing film my dad was in Rocky 3 and there's a story I don't know if you know this about he actually the um, casting director approached him and said would you be in this film the, for Rocky 1 Rocky 1 okay and uh my dad said you know okay you know, what's the pay and he says well it's scale it's the lowest amount and my dad said no you know i don't really <laughs> think so i don't work for scale and the casting director said please come in just meet the director and and uh you know i think you'll so my dad agreed so he goes in to meet the director Was Abelton, right? Okay. And the yeah, director yeah. was, uh you know, at his desk, and he looked up at my and the casting director. Said, so this is the uh, ring announcer, and he looks up. He goes, "Well, you don't look like a ring announcer." <laughs> and so my dad took the script and said, "You don't look like a director." And he left the script and walked out. And so he was not in Rocky One, Rocky Two, <laughs> but apparently Sylvester Stallone himself reached out to him to be in Rocky Three. The three. Wow. Yeah, so what an honor.
0: Wow, that is an honor. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so funny. I, um. You know, I sometimes forget you've got to, like, there's there's a different listenership and viewership mm. here. Mm. So backing up, the Lennon family came to, you know, this area. Our grandfather, who we never knew because he died when our right. dads were young. Yeah. Um, he came out here to work for, in effect, MGM. But it was the beginnings of that and be a promotional guy. So there's this promotional, right? And then from them came seven boys, girl, 64 first cousins, which you and I are part of that. And then lose count after that. Yes. Um, but that said, there's this promotional gene that seems mm. to run through the family. Mm. And so whether it's promoting talent like the Lennon sisters um, who, who, who did fine or the Bam Venice and, and multiple musical acts, or, you know, what's inherent to the fight game, which is that idea of get the hype up. Um, mm. You know, that's something that you're a direct line to. And it's, and it's exciting.
1: I never thought of that.
0: Yeah. You know, I think of what
1: you do. I think of what, you know, Bill Lennon does and Branson, he did an amazing job, but Danny too. Yep. Um, but I never thought of me in the promotional business, but I guess there's part of it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's maybe comes from the genes. It's natural. No doubt.
0: Well, this is the number one show on Midfield Avenue for the oh. podcasting. You oh, oh the, I know. Oh, that. That. you do It's yeah.
1: something very to, be, yeah. to be very proud of, and I think you should have The trophy very
0: soon I'm going to show When we put this together Post-production There's a time um, So one of the things And I brought it up On the podcast before But we we started A backyard volleyball tournament There's Mm. three families That lived on this one block In Venice And eventually We went from just My backyard Which was my parents' house To five backyards Three front yards Thousand people on the block Blind draw Backyard to backyard Everywhere had a different Thing going on It was super fun And originally Your dad would come And announce The king and queen and yes. then the participants and the participants would go out into my room which was separate from the house it's like a converted garage and then they'd run out and and, and they were I can't tell you how excited <laughs> they were they could not believe Jimmy Lennon was going <laughs> to introduce him right and then you followed in line with that which is great um but one fun, funny story about your dad is he goes uh, this one time he was in the movie Tough Guys yes and um so he wanted to make sure he got a plug in for Tough Guys and so while the guys are waiting to come out for the championship, he goes, "Now if I could just have your second, you know, <laughs> I'm in this movie. It's called Tough Guys, Bert Lancaster." And he goes over Bert Lancaster's, and then he, you know, and he's, and then he starts saying, "Well, now I'm playing myself as a singer," and I'm kind of going, "Uncle Jim," <laughs> <laughs> like we don't have the lights. It's so funny. But um, then I got you on a local cable, interviewed you, and you came up, and you came up, and you go okay so the promotional gene one of the things i always did and i learned this from the backyard is i would just make up some tagline so i called it the world's largest backyard volleyball tournament it was a great tagline too okay and uh so you come and you said well you know my father used to do the introductions you do this thing and uh now i'm proud to be here at the world's largest backyard volleyball tournament i was like bam that's my boy Jamie. Came right in with it. Sounded super legit. It was so good. Well, it was and it was legit. Wasn't that fun though?
1: Amazing. I I've never participated in any event more fun than that. That was so fun. Oh, it's just amazing. And Like you said you go to the different backyards and a whole different thing was going on the the uh the whole environment of that is just It was so fun. And I remember
0: you, you just, you, you, you just take it around with it. You just go, you just get the particulars and then you'd say, weighing in at a combined weight of 340 pounds, you know, (laughs) because there's two people. Oh man, it was so good. Now it's time for an installment of, as time goes by, where we get to know Carlos Haro Jr. of Casablanca restaurant in Venice one minute at a time. Now let's play it again with Carlos Jr. All right. Another question. Um, We're under the St. Mark uh, Trivia, Carlos, great school, Catholic school in Venice, anchor of the community. So this year we celebrate the 30th anniversary of your winning the prestigious Athlete of the Year Award at St. Mark School in Venice, right? Right. Okay. When my wife, then Christine Jimbo, was in eighth grade and you were in seventh grade— who would win in a game of one-on-one basketball?
1: Uh, I'm going to say y- your wife. <laughs> that, that, that is the correct answer. <laughs>
0: your wife would win. God. I'm glad because she was coming strong. If, yeah, if, she If was. you didn't come up yeah, with that yeah. answer. Okay. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is supported by the AAU. Find a local event and join at aausports.org. And remember, you can catch your favorite amateur sports live stream, replays, and highlights at ballertv.com. Sports Stories, along with East Bay, supports the Heroes Movement, a nonprofit that bridges the gap from mental or physical therapy to getting strong again through strength and conditioning workouts. This free service is available for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces. Visit heroesmovementusa.org for more information. Sports Stories, along with thousands of people across the country, also supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation a nonprofit that provides traumatized children with new belongings and new hope. Learn more at mystuffbags.org. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. and is available on Apple Podcasts and YouTube or wherever you listen and watch. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really helps spread the word. You can find all our social media links, archives, and other info on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Special thanks to the John R. Wooden Course and Wooden's Wisdom. Original music for Sports Stories is courtesy of Lennon Music Productions. Original images by Sienna Lennon Photography. Sports Stories is produced by Marley Rice. Edited by Bob McCall and researched by Teresa Dolan. Additional staff include Christine Jimbo, Jake Downey, Ray Castro, and Buck Magic Lennon. We are like to see sports stories on a Thursday night with Danny Lennon. God bless everyone. Check it out, Buck!